Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. It's so easy for us to fall into a view of Jesus that is simple or routine, but Jesus came to radically change our perspective on what it means to truly live. We're in a series that takes a look at the statements that Jesus said about his mission for coming to earth. Our lives are different because of Jesus. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Man, I am loving the season of life we're in right now. I'd love to say it's because it's fall, because fall is one of my favorite seasons, but unfortunately, fall has skipped Columbia this year. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No, look, here's why I'm excited because we are meeting so many new people. It's so much fun. I look out my office window and I see that the guest parking spaces are already taken up before most of you have even left your home. It's because they know what time to come to church. Come on, somebody needs to laugh with me. No, but it's exciting. We are meeting so many new, many new people. And I just want to stop and say two things. First of all, for those of you that are not new to Grace Life, I want to make sure you know nothing is changing. Nothing is changing. We are the same church. We've got a few more seats, but we are passionate about the same three things we have always been passionate about. The first one is we're going to come in here on the weekends, and we are going to make much of Him. We want to make a very big deal out of who our God is. We want our God to look down from heaven and to see us and to have His attention. Y'all were, one of you is excited. That's, this is going to be a very hard day. I'm going to preach with a little bit of passion today. If you're not into it, then this is going to be painful for me. And painful for you watching me be painful. All right, anyway, the second thing is we still get together in, in small groups where people can actually know your name and know what's going on in your life because we're, we're not going to do that here on Sunday mornings. There's too many people in the room. And we are still passionate about making Jesus famous in Colombia and around the world. This is not going to change. We simply have more of what has always made Grace Life the church that you've wanted it to be. But the second thing, if you are new to Grace Life, I want you to know there's room for you. There is plenty of room for you. We have more small groups than we've ever had. We have more seats than we've ever had. And we have more opportunity to make Jesus famous in Columbia with more of us than we've ever had. So there you go. Either way, if you're new, if you're not new, hope you're having a great day. Welcome to Grace Life. So glad you'd worship with us this morning. And speaking of worship, did you guys like that new song? Okay, some of you are going, we did a new song. Yeah, look, that second song we did, that was a brand new song, and it was such a cool song. It made my wife in the last service reach over and grab my hand, because I love songs that make my wife grab my hand. It, we were singing, I'm not who I used to be, and that might actually be why she grabbed my hand, like, look, honey, yeah, you're a better person than you used to be, because so, nothing changes you like marriage. Do I have any married people in the house with me today? Nothing changes you like a marriage. Hey, you did not know you were selfish until you got married and had kids, but we'll leave the kids for another message. We'll talk about that. See, when you get married, suddenly you have a 24-7 character monitor. Somebody lives with you. They see when you get angry. They see when you shout. They see when you yell. They see when you get upset at the kids. They see everything, and they just look at you from the kitchen. All right, you know what? Single people. Y'all all think, Man, you don't know what you're missing. Let me tell you, there's another side of that coin. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> Enjoy the fact you can go home and close the door and nobody knows when you throw a tantrum. Yeah. Think back with me right now. Everybody think back to a time that has changed you more than anything else besides marriage. Think back to the, I want everybody to have in your mind the most life-changing moment, the most life-changing experience that you can remember. What changed about you? What happened? No, no, I, I, you can't lie. 
You can raise your hand with me. I want you to raise your hand with me if that most life-changing moment in all of your life was the day that you gave your life to Jesus. Come on, raise your hand for that. You cannot lie. Don't put your hands up if that's not true because you cannot lie about Jesus in church. That would be really, really bad right there. No, and I, I kind of tricked you because, of course, that was the, the church answer I wanted to go for. But I don't mean to make light of whatever you've been through because, look, I promise you this. If it was the most life-changing moment in your life, God was in charge of it, God was doing it, and, and it may not have been that day, but it was another day that was just as powerful. So I don't mean to make light of that. But we're in a series and this series is called Because of Jesus. And, and we're looking at the different things in our world or in our lives that should have changed, that should be different, that aren't the way they're supposed to be anymore because of Jesus. You see, it turns out he made a lot of statements. He came and he said things like, well, I came for this reason and I was sent to do this and this is why I'm here and I must go do that for that's why I came. He would do this over and over and it wasn't always the same thing. And the reason for that is because he came to do more than one thing. And today we want to talk about one of the things that should have changed because of Jesus. And it turns out one of the things that should have changed maybe first, maybe before everything else, or at least is just as important to us today, what should have changed because of Jesus is us. You and me. We, we shouldn't be who we used to be. That's why we sang that song this morning, because we want to get us to start thinking about the fact we're not who we used to be, or at least we shouldn't be. We should be able to say that. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to our main passage today. If not, it's going to be on the screen. And it comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Our main passage today is only one sentence. It's only one sentence because that is all that it takes for us to understand what is supposed to have changed because of Jesus. So if you're looking with me, it's verse 17 in chapter 5, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. Say that with me. New creation. That's what He is. He's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now here's our problem with those words. We, we, we know what they mean. Creation means something exists now that did not exist before. But our problem is we use the word creation when we're talking about something that happened a long time ago. If we use the word creation, we usually aren't using it to talk about what happened at work last week. Most of us don't work for companies that are that innovative. Most of us are, are not talking about something you did in the kitchen. last. Although every now and then, there are those, those mills, right? And that's the only thing you can say, well, that's a creative creation you got there, honey. Yeah, let's not do that again. All right, anyway. But most of the time when we think of the word creation, we're thinking about the fact that we are God's creation. That there was a time when the heavens and earth wasn't there. There was a time when we weren't there. And then God made us. And there's a line in the sand before we were not. Now we are. There's a creation. There's something that exists that did not before. The problem is, like I said, that line is thousands and thousands of years old at the least. And because of Jesus, He wants that line to be moved up in time to now. To right where we are today, to what we're facing because of Jesus, we are a new creation. We're a new version of something that exists now that did not exist before. And I can't hit that point home hard enough because we, we just don't see the difference sometimes. I want you to imagine with me, everybody think back to when you started following Jesus. For some of you, this is where you are today. This is a very new thing for you. For some of us, we did it 20 years ago. And, and I, I just want you to imagine, uh, let's say six months in, you know, six months of following Jesus 
And, and uh, you, you, for, like I said, some of you, this is where you are today. Some of you, you're only three months in, so you, we'll just go for three months. Some of you, you did it 20 years ago, doesn't matter. And, and at about six months in following Jesus, you go out, you have dinner with some of your friends, have a really great conversation, really good time. And when the night is over, you leave. And I want you to think about what is said about you. When you leave, are they going to turn and say, man, it was so good to get together with our friend again. Man, he, he's just the most awesome guy. I've known him all my life, just like he is. Or are they going to say some different things like, man, it was really good to get together with my friend again. You know, it, it was good to see him. Uh, that was fun. But that was weird. Because something isn't the same anymore, right? I mean, he, he's not the way that he used to be. Sorry, ladies, I'm just going to go, because I'm a guy and I wrote this, I'm gonna, it's going to be a he pronoun throughout this analogy. Can y'all just flow with that and substitute she in there everywhere? It's okay. Maybe it's, oh, we're just going to pretend he needs to change more than you do. Come on, ladies, give me an amen. There you go. See, that was fun, but it's weird. You know, he used to freeload off of us, and now he, he actually bought tonight. What, what's up with that? Some of you still need to make that change. Y'all need to quit freeloading. It's the least you can do. Buy dinner. Be nice. Be generous. All right. He used to hit on the waitress. Now he says he's waiting on the right one. What? How does he know who the right one is? Waiting? He, he used to make crude jokes. Now he won't even laugh at mine. He used to talk about himself all night long and what he did at work and how great he is and how everything's going. He actually just talked about us. He asked us about what's going on in our lives. Like, that's weird. He used to, and fill in the blank. But now he's just changed. Here's the question. Is that what they're going to say when you're gone? Are they going to say it was so good to be back with him, nothing's changed? Or are they going to say that was weird? You see, because of Jesus, we're changed. We're new creations. I want to ask you something. Can you say that? Can you say, I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creation. Something is very, very different. And people who knew me then would say, man, something's up with you. Can we say, because of Jesus, we're changed? I hope you can. I'm not who I used to be. You're not who you used to be. At least that's God's intent. And I just need to stop right now and talk to those of us that grew up in a church environment. How many of you grew up going to church? Your, your family went to church, your parents went to church. See, here's what I was afraid of. Because we are here in the Bible Belt, I expected more than half of the hands in the room would go up, and that's exactly what happened. I grew up in a church world. I grew up every week going to church multiple times. I grew up where there was a Bible in the living room on the coffee table, right? Every family Bible, you know what I'm talking about. I grew up in that world. I grew up where we talked about God. I grew up where somebody prayed over the food. And I didn't know if that was just because like you're always afraid of what's going to be on the table or something like that. But there was always a prayer. And it, 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 you, until you get older, you don't understand why there's a prayer in front of the food. It's just who I was. And there's a name for people like us. We're called second generation Christians. You ever heard that term before? Second generation Christians? The truth is you might be third, fourth, or tenth, or even more. It doesn't really matter. The point is this. You grew up in such a churched world that you may not recognize your need for change. And I run into second generation Christians all the time and they say this sentence. And I think it's one of the worst sentences we could say, but we say it anyway. Many of us have said it. I said it long ago. It's like, man, I just wish I had more of a testimony. I never got drunk. 
I never did drugs. Never had sex. I never did those things. And I just wish I had more of a testimony. And I want you to hear me today. You don't need to get rid of sex, drugs, and rock and roll to have Jesus touch your life. There is more to being changed than that. What about, man, I was a jerk. I was angry. I was rude. I was selfish. People went the other way when they saw me coming because they didn't want to hear me talk about me. I was angry all the time. I yelled at my spouse or I yelled at my siblings or, or whatever it is. I was egotistical. I was all about myself. I was arrogant. I, 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 I mean, come on. How about Jesus changed that? Isn't that enough? Because of Jesus, I'm not who I used to be. There is more to what he has done in our life than sex, drugs, and rock and roll and some second generation Christians. I ought to stop saying I wish I had screwed up more so Jesus could change me. I assure you, you're perfectly screwed up and Jesus can still change you. And that wasn't in my notes. If I always knew what was coming out of my mouth right before it did. Don't miss this. Being changed by Jesus isn't a one-time thing. That's the other mistake we make. Again, especially second-generation Christians, we make it more than everybody else, but I think everybody makes this mistake. Well, let me tell you about who I was before Jesus. <laughs> well, why don't you tell me about who you were last week? I know who you were last week, and there is still plenty of room for Jesus to work in your life. This is not a one-time change. You need to think about, yes, who were you before Jesus? Yes, if somebody met you today, would they say you were changed? Thank you. Let's put that point aside. Now ask this question. If somebody who knew you last year met you today, what would they say is different? What good has a year of following Jesus done in your life? If somebody met you who knew you last month, what has changed? What would your employees say? You see, I would like to think that if you have a business, if you're in charge, if you own it or you're the manager or you're the teacher in the classroom or whatever it is, you're the officer in the army, you're in the situation. And if you were to start following Jesus on a Sunday morning, I would like to think over the coming weeks that your employees or your students or your soldiers or your airmen or whoever, sorry if I left somebody out, I know I did, but, but you would get to a point where after a couple weeks they'd say, something's up. Something's up. But you know, I'd also like to think because of Jesus. That even if you've been following Jesus for a decade, that people who have worked for you for the last year would go, man, something's up over these last few months. That people who have been in your classroom since the start of the school year would say, you're not who you used to be. I would like to think that we are still being changed every day. This is not a one-time thing. I started following Jesus in 1989. I always pick on Kent because he's been alive long and I've been following Jesus. There you go. Now, so, some of you can pick on me. Some of you, you haven't been alive as long as I've been following Jesus. But here's what happened. In 1989, I was a sophomore in high school at an FCA retreat. I gave my life to Jesus. Even though I had been hearing about Jesus multiple times a week my entire life, something happened. I realized something was wrong, that there was a God in heaven. I liked that God in heaven. I thought nice things about that God in heaven. I had learned that you do not combine several cuss words and the word God in the same sentence, right? Because, you know, that's just what you learn when you grow up in the Bible Belt. That's how, but I had never said that I wanted to live for him. I'd never recognized that. And the day that I said, I want to live for Jesus, there were some things that immediately and absolutely changed and were never the same. 
The first was the minute that I said, I will give you my life. I also, my next words were, uh-oh. Somebody knows what I'm talking about because here's the thing. Prior to that moment, as a sophomore in high school, I was getting ready to, to fill out an application for college. Everybody asks me all the time, Jimmy, why are you such a big Duke fan? Did you go there? I did not go to Duke, but I plan to. You see, at that moment in my life, I planned to become a thoracic surgeon. I thought it was going to be really cool to cut people open and play with their heart and their lungs. And okay. Like, yeah, they're asleep. Look at this. I got their lungs in my heads. That's what I thought. I'm weird. I know. Get it. Okay. Actually, I think the main reason I wanted to do that is because they made so much money. I already knew the kind of Mercedes. I mean, I was like a sophomore in high school. I had a picture of a Mercedes on my wall cut out of the automobile magazine. That was Anyway, that's what I wanted out of life. And the minute that I said, God, I will give you my life, I knew right then I was going to do this. And the next words out of my mouth were, uh-oh. And so some things changed. Instead of going to Duke and, and prepare for med school, I, I, who needs to give up a mortgage every year of their life to get a degree you're never going to use, right? So I ended up at a state college. Come on, any state college people with me? Woo, there you Y'all were some prideful people. I happen to know the majority of you went to a state college. It's right down the street. And you cheer for it every Saturday. All right. Just saying, don't lie in church. Because I didn't need to go to med school anymore. I needed to go to seminary. My, my personal relationship changed. You see, up until that moment, what I thought of God was what my parents said about God. God was away. God was there. God was distant. I went to church because church is what we did. But suddenly, I began to have like thoughts about God, a relationship with God. And I felt like I had a connection with God that I'd never had before. It was no longer my parents' thing. I started reading my Bible. I decided right there as a sophomore, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read it all the way through. It just seems like the thing a Christian should do. That's for free. Some of you should start that one. Just seems like the thing a Christian should do is read their Bible. And I didn't know any better, so I didn't get through it in a year. I didn't even get through it in two years. I did just barely get through it before graduation. I just simply started in the beginning, and, and I just, just started reading. I would read a few chapters every night. And how many of you know, man, that was a long season when I hit Leviticus, followed by Numbers. Thinking, Jesus, aren't you in here somewhere? Where are the fun stories? If somebody had told me the way you're doing this, Jimmy, Jesus doesn't show up for like a year. I would have changed the reading plan. I started talking to God at times other than algebra class. Some of you are with me on that one, right? Yeah. I mean, even when you don't love God, even when you're not even sure he's there, you're going to give it your best shot in algebra class. You walk in the door. Teacher says, today is our unit exam. Oh, Jesus, please help me. Help me get through this. I promise if you help me with this, I will, I will worship you. I'll even be a pastor. Some of you have made vows. Some of you have never talked to God as much as when there are blue lights behind you. If you'll just make this a warning ticket. I will serve you with all my life. Some of you have got spots on the side of the interstate where you have worshipped God and you have abandoned your worship. You need to go back to that place and say, God, I will pick up the vow I made and I will now be a pastor because you got me out of that ticket. Yeah. Sadly, some things didn't change. There were some things that even though I made Jesus my king, I just kept doing. Like I said, I was in high school, so, well, no brainer. I kept disobeying my parents. 
I mean, find me the teenager that does everything their kids say or everything their parents say at the exact same time uh, that it's said and the way that it's said and with a good heart. You are an amazing parent and an amazing child. But no, I kept doing what I wanted to, when I wanted to, the way I wanted to, and when we couldn't be up front about that, I would just lie about stuff or do my own thing. I still drove too fast, hence the other stories. Got too many speeding tickets, which is why I know what you were praying when you had blue lights behind you, because I've been there, done that. I remember the day that my parents brought home a brand new truck, and so on the way home from school, I decided to see a friend of mine who also got a brand new truck, which one of our brand new trucks were faster. Wrecked that, rode the bus for the next six months. Unfortunately, everything didn't change with Jesus. I still dated an atheist, even though I knew I was called to be a pastor, and I was a Christian. That didn't work very well. And then later over time, more began to change. You see, my relationships with females actually did become more godly. Purity was the goal, and I decided to only date people who were going to end up in heaven with me, so at least we had the first thing going for us. That's also something someone here today can grab onto. My thinking became more godly because, you know, everything starts right here. Whatever's happening here determines your entire life. God began to work on deeper character issues over time, like my pride and my selfishness and, and my egotism. And no comments from any of you at this moment, please. Thank you. I'm working on it. I didn't say I was done. My friendships changed. Because, you know, sometimes there are people in your life that are not helping you become a new creation. And I know there's this saying in the world, and we call it wisdom, like, look, don't burn your bridges. You never know who you're going to need in your life later. You never know who's going to lead to that opportunity. You never know who's going to help you get that job. You never know. You never know. Let me tell you something. Burn any bridge that leads back to the you before Jesus. Burn it with as much gasoline as you can find. Blow it up. You don't need to go back there. We, we can't go back to where we used to be. Because we're a new creation and new things don't go back to being an old thing. And still today, still today, God is changing me because of Jesus. I'm, I'm every day waking up and thinking, you know, I need to be a better father. I need to be a better husband. I look at my kids and I see things in them that are a reflection of me. Come on, parents, y'all know the scary moments I'm talking about. Like, whoever taught you to throw a fit like that? Oh, yes, I did that last week. You know, that kind of thing. And so I'm realizing in order to be the better father that I've got to become more like him. I wake up every day and, and I'll just have to be honest with you. Sometimes this is not as encouraging as it should be. Sometimes I wake up and I'm overwhelmed with anxiety. Because I remember what I see on Sunday mornings. And, and this is one of the coolest things about what God's doing here in this new building and the church is growing. And I'm, I'm literally preaching to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and I think we're pushing a thousand at this point, and that's the coolest thing in the world. But it also makes me realize how incredibly inadequate I am to do what God has called me to do. And without Him, I'll never succeed. And that is a really good thought, except when the enemy jumps on your back at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Come on, some of, some of you, you have good stuff, and then the enemy tries to twist it. So I know I need to become a better leader, and God is still working on that. That wasn't a one-time change. At the same time that I need to become a better leader, I also need to become a better follower. You know, right now in my own life, what God is talking to me about louder than anything. You may think it's the sermons that I'm going to preach in 2019. You may think it is how to expand the parking lot so y'all can park your cars. No, the number one thing that God is talking to me about is what I do in the mornings. He's teaching me how to worship Him better. He's teaching me how to get more out of His Word. He's teaching me how to be more faithful to Him 
He's teaching me how to put more meaningful things in my journal. He's still working on me like I just became a follower yesterday. And some of you would go, well, wait a minute, you're the pastor. How, how do you not already have all of that perfected? And that is the lie that you think we can get saved and then we're done. I don't care if you're the pastor. I don't care who you are. There is always something that needs to change because of Jesus. There is something that can grow in us. And if I haven't offended you yet, I'm going to take one more shot at this one. Because there is a, a truth that we like to use as an excuse or a truth that we like to, to twist a little bit and to hide behind. And I have people who ask me all the time as, as we talk about, you know, okay, are, are you doing this in your life? Are you working on that? What is God doing in you? And people will say, why, why do I need to change? I'm saved by grace. God accepts me. God loves me. True, Jesus loves you where you are. Jesus died for you where you are. But He never intended for you to stay where you are. This is all about becoming the person He made us to be. God did not create you for who you are. God created you for who you would be because of Jesus. That's a different person. He accepts you there, but it's not His will for you to stay there. I'm going to tell you this. His purpose for you is only found in being a new creation. Not the person that just surrendered their life to Jesus today. No, you're not that person yet. His purpose for you, your, His fulfillment is found in being a new creation. And dare I say this, Americans, pay attention. Your happiness is found in being a new creation. Your happiness, your purpose, your fulfillment, none of those are found in the day that you meet Jesus and saying, now I'm good and I'm going to stay right here. No, no, there is more. Because of Jesus, we're changed. Because of Jesus, we're changed. In a minute, we're going we're gonna to end the service very differently than we normally do. That second song we did is called Changed. And there are some lines in that song that are more important to us than maybe we get as we were doing that new song. First of all, it's a new song, so maybe you were just trying to keep up with the melody. Wait a minute, how does this song go? How do I sing this? What am I doing? That kind of thing. And you didn't have time to just really listen to the words and let them touch your heart. So before we sing this song again as we're about to do, I just want to highlight a couple of phrases that I think are really important and should really just get our attention as we sing this. Look at the screen here. Here's just some of the lines of that song. We sing, the chains of my past are gone. You know what that means? That means the power of sin is broken in my life. It means, no, I don't have to do that. Come on, somebody should have been excited about it. No, I don't have to do what I used to do. No, I am not that person anymore. It means the shame of what I've done and who I was is removed. It means that the entanglements of darkness and sin are severed. They don't have me anymore. It means that my history doesn't define my future. And that deserved an amen from some of you. Because I'm going to tell you what. I don't deserve to be on this stage. People who knew me in high school would say, uh-uh. And in all honesty, people who knew me in high school would have more hope for me than the people who knew me in college. It didn't get better. And the people who knew me in college, they wouldn't say that I don't deserve to be here for the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Y'all remember the point I made a minute ago? Because that's not what I did. They'd say I don't deserve to be here because I was one of the most selfish, arrogant, ignoring the people around. I didn't see people around me. If you weren't a part of helping me become great, you did not exist. 
And they would say, how in the world could God use someone like that? How could a person like that ever become an actual pastor? That's why. Because the chains of my past are gone. Some of you are living in the chains of yours even though they've been broken. I'm changed. I'm not who I used to be. That means I don't think the way I used to think. I don't do what I used to do. I don't make decisions the way I used to make them. I don't live for what I used to live for. My purpose isn't what my purpose used to be. We sing, I'm raised out of the grave that once held me. You see, I was once headed for eternal death and punishment. Now I'm headed for eternal life. My focus was here on earth because it's all there was. It was the best I was ever going to have. But now this is the worst I've got and the worst I'm going to have because I'm headed for eternal life with the King of Kings. And that is where my focus is. And then I love how the whole tone of the song changed as we just stand there and say, your grace, your grace, your amazing grace. My sins are washed away and I'll never be the same. You see, before Jesus, we used to reject God. We used to say, I don't want to read that Bible. I don't want your ways. I don't want your will. I don't want what you think. I, I don't want that in my life. I've got this under control. I've, I know what I'm doing or I'm just going to do what I want to do anyway. I don't, and now we go, God, I am so grateful. Your grace. Your amazing grace. It's just a moment of worship. The whole tone just changes in the song as you just stand there and go, I stand in awe of you, God. Because of you, I'll never be the same. And I just worship you. I just exalt you for what you've done in my life. You see, because of Jesus, we're changed. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a child of the Creator God of the universe. Somebody should get excited about this. I'm made on purpose for a purpose. I have changed and I will change because my God changes me. I am changed and I will continue to change because my God loves me and because He loves me, I love Him. I'm not who I used to be because I'm who God made me to be. I used to be broken and now I'm becoming whole. I used to love the world, now I love God. I used to be ruled by my sins and my past and my hurts and my brokenness and my thought life and everything was what ruled me and now I am free to be whoever God has made me to be. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. How about you? Somebody say it with me. I'm not who I used to be. Say it with me. I'm not who I used to be. Y'all need to wake up tomorrow morning and say that loud. I dare you, shout in the mirror when you get up in the morning. Get your kids out of bed early. They'll jump out of the bed as you're standing in the bathroom screaming, I'm not who I used to be. I have the best job in the world. I say it all the time because I mean it. You see, one of the reasons I have the best job in the world is because I get a front row seat to watching somebody not be who they used to be. Now, I'm sorry for you. You don't get to see all the stories I get to see sometimes. You don't get to hear the, the life change, the testimony. You don't get to watch the look on their faces. You don't get to sit in my office and watch people make Jesus their king sometimes. So what I want to do this morning is I want to invite you to watch one of the coolest things that's happened here at Grace Life in the, in the past few weeks. Just, just come sit on the front row with me and watch up close what God has done. Check out this story. It started with curiosity when I started watching a TV show called The Bible. And to me, it was, it was the coolest thing in the world. I actually got like addicted to watching it. I looked at Jesus like, like he was Harry Potter. Because at this time, 
I was an atheist. I didn't, I didn't have any beliefs whatsoever in, in God or really any anything whatsoever because to me it just didn't make sense. I didn't have time for that. So when we moved here, um, I started a job in uh, civilian personnel, which is human resources, and um, Nick LaCresto is actually a chaplain on the base. I asked him what church he went to, and he said Grace Life. You know, he said some things that really stuck with me that day, and so when I got home that day, I told him about it, and I was like, you know what, um, this Sunday for sure, I'm going to take the kids, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to go to this church called Grace Life. And there had been other times in our lives where I'd said, hey, let's try church, and he'd be like, no way, not no, doing that. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. So when I had um, said that to him, he didn't hesitate for too long, but he said, well, I'm going to come too. That day changed Nicole's life forever. It was the first time I remember sitting in there, and we, we met Kelly. We, we actually turned on our hazard lights, and at first we're like, oh, are we actually doing this? <laughs> like, are we really going to be these people? <laughs> And we were those people. We turned on the hazards, and they they show us, "Hey, park here, park here." And and I remember doing it, and I'm just like, "Oh boy, here we go!" Like we're about to just get thumped in the head with Bibles, and it's just like, "Here we go!" Like this is not for me. We were still a little nervous, so we didn't put our kids in the G Kids. We took them in with us, and uh, for one hour, I watched my wife with just tears flowing down her face, and um, that's when I knew something was happening with you. That's when I could tell that whatever's happening here is real. And for me, I was sort of just like looking around like, okay, there's some crazy people doing this. <laughs> there's some crazy people doing it with two hands. And I was just like, okay. We left, went home, and we talked about, oh, that was nice. That was a good experience. It, it seemed really cool. That Wednesday, we, uh, we got some news. I was a Little League baseball coach in Arizona for six seasons and the first team that I coached there was a 12 year old boy named Michael and uh, Michael committed suicide that Wednesday after we went to church on Sunday God brought me and my family to church because I needed to be there because that next Sunday I was in tears the entire Sunday God knew that I needed him and God brought us here. And it wasn't by any luck or chance, because there's no such thing. It happened because it was God's will. I love you, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> ever since then, it's just, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to our family. Going to church was like very new. Here at Grace Life, I can understand a lot more things. I love the people here. They're so kind. Like, I could tell them what I've been through. And it's not hard to say it because I like talking to those people. And they'll say, hey, Ben, when I walk in. And it's like no one really does that when I walk into a place. And it, it's like, it's the best thing ever to like, everybody knows your name and they, they want to say hi to you. There's just so many things that we have now because of Jesus, it's insane. On the way here, I just started laughing like, wow, like, what what happened? Yeah. And I just, I'm in, I'm in love with every minute of it. And I just, I love you guys. And I know that God's got a lot of stuff ready for us and it's gonna be a crazy life ahead of us. Yeah, it'll be so, a good one though. Yeah. It will.
see the point where all four of them were crying? I want you to think about the kind of change that happens that even their four-year-old son, his name is Matthew, four years old, when, when a four-year-old sees the change in your life that it brings them to tears. I mean, come on, you can't fake that. No, that's Jesus. That is God doing something. I look around the room today and I see people like Nate. Nate came into my office doing some premarital counseling. Gave his life to Jesus sitting right there because every time he kept talking about what he thought a man should do for his wife, I said, that's in the Bible. And he'd say something else he thought people should do. I said, that's in the Bible too. And one day I just said, since you believe everything in the Bible, when are you just going to admit to it? Steve over here, first time he started following Jesus, he'd bring me to lunch. And it took me a while to, to talk Steve down from thinking the he just had to change everything at one moment. He's like, Steve, one thing at a time. Let's take one thing at a time. He's like, he's like I, I got to get rid of my truck. My truck is nice. I don't need a truck this nice. I could give money to people around the world and poor. He got rid of his truck. And the next thing was his house. He's like, I don't need a house this big. I don't need a house this nice. He got rid of his house. I was like, okay, keep your wife. That's important. But he just kept looking at his life and thinking, what does Jesus want me to change? What does Jesus want me to change? And some of you, I, I, I didn't know you. I've only known you since you've been following Jesus. That, that was always there. And, and I've just watched marriages. I've watched people who used to sit on the opposite ends of their two chairs. You know, as much space between you as you could. They stand and hold hands during worship and they, they put arms around each other. I didn't know Daniel before he followed Jesus, but Daniel, you're a crazy story, man. He used to love drugs, deal drugs, surrendered his life to Jesus. This boy got sober from heroin. That's a change right there. It, you can't do that. You can't do that except by the power of Jesus. No, you see, because of Jesus, we're changed. I've watched so many of you get healed of things that were broken in your soul get free of things that used to keep you down i've watched you apologize for things you used to blame people for i've seen you walk into your calling even though used to you were afraid to do that man i am watching living examples in front of me because of jesus were changed but there's still more every day there is more I want you to be able to say next week what has changed because you spent the last week following Jesus. For some of you here today, you are where Ben was in his story. You're not even sure how you got here today. Maybe it was that your wife dragged you in or maybe a parent dragged you in. Maybe you don't even know why you came, but you came on your own and it makes no sense because you don't like the idea of Jesus being Lord and Savior. And you haven't made that decision yet. Maybe today, today, maybe Ben's story inspires you. Jesus died for you. In a minute, I'm going to help you make that change if you want to do that. But as I said, we're going to end very differently. And one of the things I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to pray for anyone in this room that wants me to pray for you. You see, what I'm going to do in just a moment is I'm going to ask you if you want me to pray for you to stand to your feet. 
And I, I don't want everybody to stand up just because it's the cool thing to do because I hope most of you will. I think most of you are going to want to respond to this. But, but don't do it unless you actually mean it. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you, if you can name that one thing, I want you right now to name that one thing that you want to see be changed in your life because of Jesus still today. If you don't like the way that you get angry and you blow up at your spouse, if you don't like the things that you say to your friends or to your family, if you don't like the things that you say when you look in the mirror because of the voice that you hear in your head, if you don't like an internet habit every time it's late at night and you find yourself looking at something that you feel bad about the next day, if you don't like and fill in the blank, if you want Jesus to change that today, if you want to be able to wake up tomorrow morning and say, because of Jesus, I am changed. I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to name the thing that you want me to pray over. And I'm going to pray for the life-giving power of Jesus to change this thing right now. Everybody's got it, right? Everybody's got it in your mind. What do you want Jesus to change about your life? I want you to lift up your hands like God has given you something. Right now, Jesus, I pray over every person in this room. I pray for what they have in their mind, the thing that is in front of them right now, the thing that they say is keeping me from being the new creation, the thing that has me broken, the thing that is holding me back from who you've called me to be. I pray right now that that thing would be broken by the power of the name of Jesus Christ in this place. Amen. Come on. Yeah. Because of Jesus, we are changed. If you are one of those people who just like Ben, today you need to make the change of making Jesus your king. This is real simple. Right now, all you got to do is say, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. That's it. That's it. Because it's not about the words that come out of your mouth. The words aren't magical. It's about what he's doing right here. Jesus, thank you. You died for me. Now I want to live for you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out online by going to gracelife.church. We would love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the gracelife.church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.